Welcome back to an episode of Nancy AF. This is Nancy Anderson Fit, and today's podcast is going to be around the calories in versus calories out myth. This sort of, to be honest, silly seesaw idea that weight loss is just as simple as burning more calories than you consume. And spoiler alert, that's not exactly true, and it's definitely not that simple. And with all the advances in like modern medicine and science, I just, for the life of me, cannot understand why this idea is still being talked about on a regular basis and has a strong hold on the diet and fitness culture. It is even like, like fitness and nutrition professionals that are really well-known with very large platforms are still trying to drill this method, this very simple, simplistic, it's not hard, guys, this is all it is, um, kind of myth into their followers, their fans, their clients' heads. And it really bothers me because I think it's really doing a disservice because one, it's not that easy, and B, they are leaving a lot out. I'll start with this. According to the Food and Drug Administration, aka the FDA, it's okay for food companies to be as off as much by 20 to 50% of the number of calories that are listed on their labels. In other words, like a 200 calorie package of pretzels, let's say, could really have as few calories as 100 on the low end, or as many calories as 300 on the high end. Checking the math, that could actually equal hundreds of missing or extra calories amassed throughout your day. And with that level of inaccuracy on its own, considering nothing else about the following information I'm about to say, why would you even bother doing a strict calorie in, calorie out, energy you know, deficit when you know that the FDA allows packaging to be that far off? So what you're calculating isn't necessarily correct in the first place. To make matters worse, the FDA hasn't consistently done any random food sampling to check the accuracy of food labels in the first place since the 1990s, according to a report from the Government Accountability Office. This means that the FDA isn't great at preventing food companies from printing false or misleading information, which we all know that they do that anyway, right? They try to hide like really toxic or non-food-like substances in their ingredient list and all that stuff by using complicated names that we can't pronounce or understand or we think, oh, it's just corn syrup. Like, no, girl, that's sugar. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, where does this all lead us? Basically, straight down a dubious rabbit hole of hidden calories and frustrating weight loss journeys. Because you think that you're following this regimen, oh, I burned 1,600 a day, I'm eating 1,600 a day, but I'm not losing weight. Actually, I'm gaining weight. Well, what you're like calculating isn't necessarily right in the first place. So I know this may hit a nerve. And if you're a fitness and nutrition professional and you're thinking that this is the end-all, be-all way to achieve your goals. Sorry, I'm not sorry, but it's time we get the correct information out there. Calorie counting is a popular, quote-unquote, tried-and-true weight loss technique that's been heavily marketed for decades. Uh, And so many influencers on the internet and fitness and nutrition professionals, as I mentioned, are still touting this freaking weight loss equation. But I have to ask, 
How is it working for you? Like, seriously, has cutting calories ever actually worked in the long term? Does it make you feel good? Do you feel balanced? Do you feel like you're thriving? Or do you feel like a little bit deprived or you're still hitting weight loss resistance and weight loss like plateaus? Have you just strictly by counting calories in, calories out, gotten a full blood work panel and like looked at your blood work on a very specific strategic level with a functional medicine doctor that's assessing what you're eating. Because I can tell you what, a functional medicine doctor is not going to give you calories and just say, okay, just eat this many calories a day. We're going to get you to your goals. No, it goes way, way deeper than that. The truth is the calorie in versus calorie out or like energy balance is considered by many doctors, researchers, and actually health professionals, myself included, to be outdated and an inefficient way to look at health and specifically look at fat loss. Telling people, especially overweight or obese people, to just eat less and exercise more isn't helpful and doesn't support sustainable weight loss or healthy lifestyles. And I'm not trying to complicate things, but weight loss and even weight gain is a lot more detailed than just worrying about how many calories you burn versus how many calories you consume. It really, really is. Now, if you want me to sum up the entire podcast in just like a couple sentences, this is going to be it right now. If you got to go, if you can't listen, if you're going to take one thing away, you're going to take this away right here. If you don't want to get into the nitty gritty details, just know this. Not all calories are created equally. Your body reacts in very, very different ways to different types of calories. And what I mean by this is calories from protein, fat, and healthy carbohydrates have a vastly different biological effect on your body than a calorie from, let's say, refined sugar, for example. Now, intuitively, I think we all kind of know this, right? Broccoli is a carb. Cotton candy is a carb. If all that mattered was calorie count, then in theory, consuming 500 calories of broccoli or 500 calories of cotton candy would have the same impact on your bodies. Wrong. That's not like at all what happens. And here's why. A calorie of broccoli also contains vitamins, minerals, and import very, very, very importantly, fiber that support overall health, enhance your, your gut health particularly, and optimize your insulin response. And as you may know, I talked about this a lot before. Insulin is a hormone created by your pancreas, which helps control blood sugar levels. This is really important. It brings the blood sugar out of the blood into your cells, which your cells can then utilize for energy. Now, the fiber in broccoli slows digestion and prevents huge spikes in blood sugar and therefore prevents huge spikes in insulin levels. You got it? Meanwhile, the refined sugar in soda or cotton candy is rapidly dumped into your bloodstream after eating and thus dramatically spikes your blood sugar. This causes your pancreas to start pumping out more insulin in order to try to lower the high levels of blood sugar. Unfortunately, bad things happen when your insulin's too high. Really bad things. And I'm talking increased belly fat storage, increased inflammation, which you know I talk about inflammation and I will continue to talk about it to the day I die because it is showing to really be a root cause for many, many issues that we face, including weight loss resistance, increased risk for type 2 diabetes, where this is where your body basically stops listening to insulin because there's just too much of it hanging around. So both insulin and blood sugar levels remain chronically elevated, which is a huge problem. Increased blood sugar, decreased levels of healthy HDL cholesterol, increased levels of unhealthy triglycerides, and imbalanced sex hormones, including decreased testosterone in men and increased estrogen in women. 
Now, all this and more can come from eating certain types of calories that impact your body in a less than ideal way. Now, high levels of insulin also increases your appetite. Yeah, eating certain types of calories, shocker, can actually make you feel hungrier. It turns out that insulin suppresses another hormone called leptin. Now, leptin normally tells your body when you're full, when to stop eating. If your insulin is too high from eating empty calories, the sugary and processed foods, for example, then leptin becomes chronically blocked and your brain stops getting that message of, I'm full. In other words, you become kind of like resistant to leptin. So instead of realizing you're full, your brain thinks, well, you're still hungry. So it activates more of the brain's pleasure-based reward system, which then drives you to consume even more food, especially sugar or flour, carby food. On the other hand, when you eat calories from healthy fats or lean proteins or even complex, more slow digesting carbohydrates, your blood sugar simply won't spike as much. This means that your insulin levels also won't spike as much. And when our insulin levels are nice and low and steady and controlled, our bodies tend to use stored fat for fuel because there's just less sugar sugar in the blood. Plus, we stay more responsive and sensitive to the um, full signal sent by our brains by the hormone leptin. We love you, leptin, so that we stay more in tune with our body's chemical messaging systems. Okay, all right. Did you guys get all that? Try to break it down in a really easy way, like always, to help everyone understand. But so far, we basically learned that counting calories is hard to do when you don't even know for sure if the number of calories listed on a nutrition label is actually even accurate or even what's listed in MyFitnessPal or whatever you're utilizing is even accurate. We've also learned that not all calories affect the body the same way, primarily because of their effect on hormones. You know, I always talk about hormones and my plans are designed to optimize hormones. This is a huge reason why. So the idea that all you have to do is to lose weight is to focus on your calorie intake is hopelessly misguided. It completely overlooks the hormone factor. From my perspective, this seems like basic nutrition. So it blows my mind when I see real fitness and nutrition professionals that are still touting this thing. And it's just like, are you guys ignoring the whole other side of like nutritional science? Or did you guys learn this like 10 years ago? You thought it was the end all be all of nutrition and you haven't updated your like knowledge and education database ever since? I don't know, truly I'm like lost for words when it comes to this. But back to hormones. Okay, importantly, the hormone factor that is such an important and vital part of weight loss resistance, optimizing health, optimizing metabolism and losing weight, this hormone factor also explains why creating a caloric deficit may actually make you feel hungrier. For example, a 2016 paper published in the journal Obesity found that people who diet by restricting calories are ultimately driven to consume about 100 extra calories per day, give or take, for every two pounds of body weight lost. Hmm, weird, right? The reason is, is that the human body sees dieting as a stressor. Basically, dieting feels a little too much like when our ancestral homeboys were starving for food back in the day on the plains of Africa. In other words, as far as our body is concerned, caloric restriction looks and feels like famine. 
This is different from intermittent fasting or time-restricted eating, by the way, which I've talked about in earlier podcasts, if you want to check that out. So don't get stressed if you're doing that. But in response to a sustained caloric deficit, your body increases the production of a hormone called ghrelin, a.k.a. a hunger hormone. Ghrelin tells you to eat more, which your body wants you to do when you're dieting because it's worried about famine and survival and getting its next meal. And just like what happens when you eat too much refined sugar and your insulin starts getting too high and blocks leptin, a sustained caloric deficit also suppresses leptin, the I'm full hormone. Remember that one? So now because of cutting calories, your body has less of the hormone that says I'm full and more of the hormone that says I'm hungry, basically, to break it down in simple terms. And this just like isn't sustainable. This is not like how we thrive, right? Another reason why the whole eat less, exercise more thing doesn't really work for most people long term anyway is that your body can slow down your metabolism in response to a caloric deficit. This is basically to conserve energy. And it's just another example of how we have this like biologically self-driven self-protection mechanism rooted in us from years and years of human evolution when food wasn't always like readily available to us like it is today. With a slower metabolism, you just won't burn as many calories at rest or as much energy at rest, which can make it just harder to lose weight and keep off. You can hit plateaus, weight loss resistance, and all kinds of other stuff. So now let's add some gasoline to the flame. Remember how I just said that cutting calories is a stressor to the body? Well, when your body is stressed it releases another hormone called cortisol, which you guys are probably familiar with. Cortisol is released by the adrenal glands and provides energy to your cells by converting protein from the liver into glucose through a process called gluconeogenesis. I know this can be a lot of information. Basically, just remember that stress makes cortisol. Cortisol makes glucose, a.k.a. blood sugar. Now, we want cortisol to make blood sugar in like acute stressful situations because it, su it supplies your body with the energy for a flight or fight response. But if your cortisol levels are chronically elevated, which can happen, ding, 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 during a prolonged caloric deficit, then more and more sugar can build up in your bloodstream which then causes the higher levels of insulin, which then increases your risk of both insulin resistance and leptin resistance, and then translates to increased appetite, increased weight gain, and increased inflammation. Does this make sense? Basically, bottom line, if you're trying to lose weight and the only thing you're focusing on is energy in, energy out, or eating less and exercising more, you're not going to see the success you want likely, or at least not in the long term. A diet that asks you to semi-starve yourself will inevitably fail for three main reasons. Number one, your hormones can go out of whack and cause you to feel even hungrier because your body is trying to get you to eat more. Number two, your metabolism can decrease because your body is trying to conserve energy. And number three, you can end up feeling tired, cranky, crappy, and stressed out, which just drives weight gain, it drives inflammation, and it drives even more food cravings, usually for the sugary stuff. Talk about a vicious cycle, right? And anyway, what do you expect to happen when the diet is over? Are you just going to go back to eating a regular diet again? Or are you like supposed to be in a caloric deficit like indefinitely? If that's, if that's the case, if that's the goal, if that's the plan, like that's, that sounds like no fun. Like I would never expect my clients to do that. Now, I'm not saying that calories don't matter at all or that you should never pay attention to 
how much energy you're getting. For example, it's reasonably true that if you're overeating um, or eating too much, you do need fewer calories or just less food. You can look at it as like less food, which is what I, how I look at it. Like if you're constantly consuming a surplus of calories and not moving enough to burn them off, then the calories will get stored as ba- body fat. And you want to avoid that. But it doesn't mean you should strive for a negative energy balance balance and swing the pendulum from too much to too little. Simply put, if you're not eating enough macros or calories or fuel or food or whatever you want to say to support physical exercise and the basic energy cost of like being alive, then you're shooting yourself in the foot essentially and going to make it harder for you to lose weight. And if anything, you're increasing your risk of weight gain for the reasons I just talked about previously. Logically, this all makes sense, right? Like, just imagine what would happen if you put your car into a gasoline deficit, didn't fuel it enough, and then tried to drive it around all day. I know the human body is way more complex than a car, but it's like a pretty fair comparison here. And it just sounds crazy when you think about it like that. Like, you would never do that. And my point is, when it comes to fat loss or even just health overall, quality matters. Portion matters. Macros matters. Macro is what tells us what type of calories you're consuming and helps us ensure that we're getting the raw materials we need for a healthy gut, healthy brain, healthy body. Timing matters of your meals and your macros. Movement matters. And sure, I think calories to a certain degree do matter, but it's incredibly misleading for the fitness and nutrition industry folks to value and emphasize calories over every other thing. And this is why you don't see me talk about calories in my nutrition programs or even list calories in them. People will all the time ask me, like, can you please add, like, the calories of your day? It's like, no, because it, the calories don't matter. Now, you mean to list the macros? I have no problem listing the macros. And I understand, that, like, macros equate to calories, right? So, like, yes, I get that. But the macros that you place together at meals and the timing that you have those meals and the ingredients that are in those meals down to the spice level can change your hormones, aka change your insulin spike, which therefore changes your results that you're getting from eating that food. So it's also not as simple as just Oh, follow these macros, eat 100 grams of protein a day, eat 90 grams of carbs a day, eat 120 grams of fat a day. Like, yes, like that, in my mind, counting macros, way smarter than counting calories. Counting calories, bye-bye. See you later. You've lost me. But if you want to look at your macros, I'm okay with that because at least that gets you closer to supplying the right amount of each of your macronutrients to your body. But counting straight calories, like who fucking knows what your macros are? Like you're counting calories. Like, so that just, to me, calorie counting calories makes no sense. Counting macros, I get that. Like that's how I plan my nutrition programs is looking at macros. But it also is more than macros because it also is your carb cycle. It also is your fasting protocols. And it also is what uh, how much of each macro you're putting in together with those meals or with those snacks and what other ingredients are in there that affect insulin, like what spices are you using, et cetera, et cetera. So it's much more complicated is what I'm saying than just, just following a caloric deficit, like such a disservice. People are doing them 
their clients such a disservice putting this information out there. And this is exactly why you won't see me talking about just calories in any of my programs. Plus, decades of research and nearly 16 years of my own personal and professional experience tell me that the most effective way to support a healthy body is to start seeing your food choices as a way of life, not as a balance sheet between calories in versus calories out. Care about where your food comes from. Care about your relationship with food and how it makes you feel. Care about the long-term health and sustainability, not crash diets and numbers. Care about your physical well-being. And I promise you, falling in love with nourishing foods is one of the best ways to do this. You know, there's a lot of ways that people try to get attention online. You know, it's a very saturated market at this point and it's hard to break the algorithm it's hard to go viral and I feel like people are willing to do extreme things to do that not just in my industry but literally like every industry and to a certain point I respect that you're trying to disrupt have like disruptive behavior that grabs attention and therefore you fill your top of funnel or you get you know new audience members and basically what that is filling your funnel and then warm them up. And eventually you want those people to convert and like buy your shit or you just want to get famous and then capitalize on being a famous trainer because you train a celebrity or like whatever. And I just have a huge problem with people that sell out like that because to me, no amount of money or fame is worth giving people information that is straight up harmful. And that is what happens online on like the daily basis. There's some people that are so hellbent on this calorie in calorie out thing that they truly, I think maybe actually believe, I'm not sure that, you know, whether you're eating broccoli or Big Macs, you are essentially going to get the same results. And, um, it's just very misleading. Now, I think a lot of people's position in the nutrition world is either on the functional medicine side, which is me, or is on the like, bal- you know, stick, keep balance, everything in moderation, like pizza doesn't make you fat, calories in, calories out, like side. There's like two, I feel like there's like two teams, right? I'm definitely on the functional medicine team. With, with that said, like food is medicine and therefore because I'm, I do nutrition and that's a huge part of my business and my profession that I essentially am in that functional medicine category because I know what I program for my clients directly affects their blood work, directly affects their hormones, and therefore directly affects what's happening in their functional medicine world. So in a perfect world, I think your team of people, especially for my demographic, which is pre-pregnancy, during pregnancy, and post-pregnancy, my people need a team. And that team consists of a great trainer, a great nutritionist, a great functional medicine doctor, a great OBGYN, and a great physical therapist. Five people for them. And I think we all should complement each other and work together. And then that that team can really bring mom to optimal health. Like that's my my dream is to have that dream team like easily accessible for women all over the world. 
If I had if I had one if I could be queen for a day, like Dr. Hyman says, and have anything come true, I would have those five people, good ones, good, up to date, awesome leaders on that team. That team would be available, easily accessible and affordable for women all over the world. But we're not quite there yet. So on my team, I realized that everything is connected. And on their team, the calorie counters, the moderation is everything, the you don't have to be gluten-free, the dairy's okay moderation, the McDonald's is okay moderation. I think that's sort of dangerous to be telling people. One, because what is moderation? To some people, that might mean like 40% of the time is moderation. Like define moderation. Because if moderation is 5% of the time, then like may, maybe, but depending on lots of things. Like if you have Hashimoto's, I'm sorry, gluten and dairy and moderation are not going to help your thyroid function optimally so that you can avoid the thyroid issues that you're going to have if you make those poor lifestyle choices, plus you're stressed, plus you, in moderation, also enjoy alcohol. And it's just like, it's just so independent of that slapping that statement on everything. Like, moderation is key for everything. Like, maybe for some people... And they, that's true. Like some people can get away with a lot more, but it's not the norm and it's not the majority. The majority of people who enjoy dairy, gluten, Big Macs, alcohol in moderation are not going to have optimal health like the person who has learned to break their addiction to sugar and eats real whole foods and like has made a new relationship with food and looks at at their life as I eat to live I don't live to eat and sure once in a while if they want to treat themselves to something that's maybe not on their typical weekly menu are they going to be okay yeah sure probably but that wouldn't be moderation. That would be like a treat once in a while, right? Or, you know, moderation for my people is like a treat meal or two on the weekends if they want or really whenever they want. Or they can do like maybe a little bit each day. But it's going to be free of shitty processed omega-6 oils. And it's going to be gluten-free. And it's going to be um, cow's milk dairy-free. And... It's not going to have frankenfoods in it or whatever you want to call it, where it's just basically like chemicals and toxins. Because that's not depriving my clients at all. There are, it's 2019, there are so many options for really delicious treats, you know, in moderation, quote unquote, how everyone wants to say that it's on the calories in, calories out team. There's lots of options for for having a balanced lifestyle without feeling deprived over on our side of the functional medicine world. I'm just sorry, but I think that saying that Skittles and, and you know, if I want to have Skittles and I want to have Big Macs and I want to have soda and I want to have all these things that are not even real foods. They're not even foods. They're food-like substances. I'm sorry. I think y'all are full of shit. And I think y'all are making excuses for yourself to have an unhealthy lifestyle and feel okay about it on the inside. 
Like, if you want to live that lifestyle, fine. Like, I am not judging you. I'm just never going to say you can have optimal health eating McDonald's once a week and eating Starburst, a couple Starbursts every night, and you can also eat gluten in moderation when, like, no one's defining moderation over on that side. They're just using the word moderation, which is harmful to your audience when people, okay, people don't even really know what good nutrition is. Even nutritionists are confused about what good nutrition is. Nutrition is confusing. The science of nutrition is confusing and it's conflicting. And you really have to break things down and look at the research and when it came out and what kind of study is it and to like really understand it. And even then, leaders and even myself are still unsure about certain things. We still are up to, you know, understand, we need to learn more is what I'm saying. Like, I'm not saying that we have all the answers because we definitely don't. But what I am saying is after over like 15 years in the field, working with people one-on-one in person for a decade, which is what I did on the nutrition and then managing huge groups, hundreds of people at a time every single month going through, I mean, close to a thousand people every month going through nutrition. I have noticed that people don't do well when you leave things very vague for terms like moderation and going out on a limb and like trying to prove a point that you can lose weight eating really unhealthy foods like fast food, Wendy's, Burger King, McDonald's for a long period of time. And you're showing people, see, you can lose weight. It's all about moderation. Enjoy the foods you love. Okay. I'm not saying that you should like live this life where like you never put a processed food in your mouth. I'm not saying that you shouldn't indulge once in a while. What I am saying is you need to eat real whole foods and those things aren't. So once in a great while, if you want to enjoy something like that, that's up to you. And that's like your call. But I will never tell my clients and my audience that I will be supportive of eating something in moderation when to most people, moderation means 20 plus percent of the time because it's not going to bring you to optimal health. And that is my goal is to teach people how to thrive and have optimal health. This is not about weight loss. My goal, my end game is to help people live longer and be, and not just be alive, but live longer. I don't want my clients to be 70 and like their bodies are breaking down. They have injuries. They can't be active. They have health issues. They're on some medications. No, I want my clients to be 90 and still able to work out to not be on medications. I don't, Steve Jobs had this great quote where he was like, if you don't use your food, this is like when he was like super sick, he said this, if you don't eat your food as medicine every day or you'll be eating your medicine as food. And that is so true. So I think a lot of us that are in our 30s and 40s or even 20s are like, we're just pushing off the idea of health issues because we think we're young, we can get away with it. And we're so obsessed with the simplicity of, I want to look like X. 
And I get it. I'm particular about how I want my body to look too. And that is definitely part of the motivation for me to train and eat and live the way that I live. But the older I get, the less I care about how big my muscles are or how much I can deadlift or how ripped my abs are. And the more I care about what my blood work says and how I feel on the inside and how my joints feel, my muscles feel, um, what my inflammatory markers look like. These are all things that like when you, you know, when you look at me and you're like, oh yeah, her body looks like this, you wouldn't know those things. So like we see a trainer online that's eating like basically shit, but still looks ripped. You have no idea what's going on in his gut. You have no idea what's going on in her blood work. And I just want you guys to to realize that, you know, because it's so much more than what you look like. And it's so much more than like giving yourself an excuse to essentially eat kind of whatever. Especially when whatever means things that aren't actually food. My goal is for my clients to thrive and have optimal health and to live for a really long time while living, not just being alive. I will say that to the day that I'm dead. And I believe that you cannot do those things while eating fast food, candy, refined sugar, alcohol on the regular basis, which basically is concluded in moderation, quote unquote. Now, I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm just saying the majority of people will not be able to get away with that and and have optimal health, truly optimal health in the eyes of a functional medicine doctor, which I believe that every single person should have. So more of the story is if you're seeing online people talking about, <clears throat> oh, you can enjoy fast food and still lose weight. Just remember, they're not telling you the whole story. You're not seeing the whole picture. And that's not something that you should adopt into your lifestyle, validating poor choices like that on the regular basis, whether that's 20% of the time, 40% of the time, et cetera. And the good news is nutrition doesn't have to be super duper complicated. If you join a community like one of my communities for just a couple months or even just 10 days or 30 days, and you learn what good healthy nutrition looks like without counting calories or even without counting macros, then you can kind of learn to adopt these new behaviors and habits to set you up for success for both weight loss, but also optimal health, hormones, metabolism, gut health, and all the other things that really matter aside from just how you look in the mirror. I invite you to check out all of my different fitness and nutrition programs to really just see how simple and delicious healthy eating can be, whether you're on a weight loss journey or at some other stage of your life, you just want to feel good, have energy and thrive. Of course, if you're interested in learning more details, please feel free to get in touch with me. You can email me at hello at nancyandersonfit.com. I'm happy to, happy to send more information, references, testimonials, before and afters your way. Um, what other questions do you have? Let me know what you think. I want to hear other feedback, questions, whatever. I'm doing a contest right now. Every week, I'm picking one review off of my podcast to let you win 
any of my digital programs for free. One winner every week. All you have to do is two things. Subscribe to my podcast and write a review. Make sure you have your full name in your review so I know you're the winner once I post you and then you email me. Winners are announced on my Instagram. So if you're not following me on there, please follow me at Nancy Anderson Fit. You can also catch me at Move Your Bump and at Tread Thrill. Remember, subscribe to the podcast, write a review, and then I will pick one winner every week, post the winner on Monday nights to my Instagram where you'll be able to claim your prize. I'll see you next time.